Today we want to have a good look at a very important but a very difficult subject to, uh, to cover. Um, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 9, one of those verses that God has given to me over and over again, uh, times of doubt about my call, effectiveness as my time ended, and uh, it says this, a great door for effective work has opened for me. A great door for effective work has opened for me. Effective work. And often when I think of that, and I've sometimes been asked the question, how do you know whether your ministry has been successful? How do you know whether your life has been successful? Is there a way you can measure success? Well, it's a very difficult subject, but I'm going to try and tackle it to some extent. Uh, not too much depth, but, but enough for us to be honest with God about our own lives. And so I just want to ask you, Father, please, in Jesus' name, help your children, including me, all your sons and daughters, whether we're in so-called full-time ministry, whatever we're involved in, you've called us to minister to you and for you wherever we live. And I'm asking you just to help us to just become more accountable and more influential and to whatever degree we can by the Spirit's help to become more successful, that our lives may be pleasing and fruitful for you in Jesus' name. So how do you measure success in any area of life? Well, many people, if not most people, measure success by numbers or can I say quantity. Uh, you're successful as a businessman if you're making big money and you've got lots of people sitting under you or behind you. Uh, if you're just in, uh, in finances, you're a success if, you've got, if you're a millionaire or a billionaire. You used to be a success as a millionaire. Now it's, you've got to be a billionaire. But success is so often, for so many people, most people I, I would imagine, success is measured by quantity. How much? How good is your product? If your product sells well, it looks like it's a success. Other people measure success by what they call quality. Not quantity, but quality. How good is it? Like I said of your product, how good is your product? Does it really work? People are very often saying, have you sold a lot of it? More before they ask the question, does it really work? How good success, quality? How good's your marriage? I often say lots of people think that if you've got lots of children, you've got a successful marriage. But a lot of un people without uh, any children have a very successful marriage. So it's not numbers. But is it just quality? Well, I'm not too sure of that. Let's just move. I'm going to try to come back to that and answer it a little more in a little while. But in ministry, for most of us that are called to preach the gospel, evangelists, pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, whatever we are, uh, most people judge or, or measure success by numbers. The attendance and the income of your church. 
if you have a huge church, huge attendance, lots and lots of income, then you deem to be a success, even if the attendees, the people sitting in the church, are only an audience. Not what they're doing, but how big is it? And how much money is there? And others, of course, as I said earlier on, measure success by quality, looking at how good the followers in their church are. And sometimes we can hide behind that. And when we're not seeing any real impact for God, we say, well, look at the quality of the people we do have, even if it's just a handful or so. But then there are some others, and I want to include myself in that if I can, that, that measure success by having both. In other words, quality and quantity. Um, and, you know, maybe you ask yourself, is this possible? Well, I think it is. For that, I believe with all my heart that everything that has God life in it grows. You look at the early church, they just grew and grew and grew. God was able to add to the church daily. They grew from three to five thousand, lots of this, many of that. <clears throat> they just grew and grew and grew. And so <clears throat> I think we can have both quality and quantity. We'll never know for sure how successful our ministry has really been until Christ returns. You know what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 to 15. I think if I could just read a few of those verses to you quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says in verse 10, By the grace God has given me, this is Paul speaking under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, By the grace God has given I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So I think to some extent, if not one of the major factors, the part that Jesus plays in our lives is a measure of our success. If Jesus is an add-on, someone we go to in trouble from time to time, and he's not the center and the focus of our lives, then I'm not too sure that we're too successful. But let's read on. It says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation, using gold, silver, costly stone, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. Wow. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved but only as one escaping through the flames. And then in chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians, so just a few verses then from verse 1, So then, men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now listen to this now. It is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I am judged by you, or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. 
It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. <laughs> wow, wow. These are powerful words if you let them penetrate your heart by the Spirit of God. So, let's have a look at some of the other things we could possibly use to measure, some to some extent, the success of our lives, the success of our ministries. Well, I think a very good starting point would be, in uh, to, and I'm seeking to answer that question, is the great commandment or the greatest commandment. Remember when Jesus was asked, Lord, what is the great, greatest of all the commandments? And Jesus gave one and then he added another one. And he said that all of the law and the prophets are combined, met in this. And he gives us these two great commands, which are, the first one is about God. And the second one is what we call the uh, golden rule. But he says this in Matthew 22, and I've got a few translations, a few just uh, different Gospels telling us the same thing, but I, I want to read them to you. Matthew 22, verse 38, it says, Jesus said this, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said that all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments, these two commandments. Mark puts it this way in chapter 12, verse 28. The most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all of your strength. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Luke says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through to 9 says this, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is where part of the quotation comes from. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So these commandments are absolutely pivotal to how successful we are, first of all, in our own lives, and then to those we minister to, those who are coming behind us. How do we love the Lord our God, and how do we love our neighbor? To what extent do these things really work in our lives? The great command will involve the great commission 
And that's at Matthew 28. And then that will also involve, incorporate our great call, yours, mine, us as individuals, and then as our church. It's the great commandment, <clears throat> the great commission, and the great call. Because our call is great. God calling us to be ambassadors for Christ, to represent him here on earth. Wonderful, beyond imagination, beyond the wildest of our dreams, that God gives us the privilege of serving him as an ambassador for him. So to what extent then do these things work in my life, your life, and those who follow us, the churches we are leading? That gives us a pretty good idea of the success of our ministry, our call, our life. But when you consider all the other commandments that God has given us, the, the, these words become even, the, even more staggering. Remember, I mean, just think of some of the commandments. Like he says, repent. If you don't repent, if you don't turn from your sins, there's no forgiveness for sins. So that's an, an amazing uh, commandment. And then he also says, believe, trust. In other words, commit yourself. That's another command. But Jesus says the greatest, as, as important, as vital as these commands are, the greatest is to love God and to love your neighbor, but God's way. Then he says also, another command is to serve. These are to obey, to lay down your life. All of these different commands. Well, when you look at how important those are, and God said, Jesus said, but the greatest are these. And you, then you get the impact, the vital, how vital, how important these two commandments are. We cannot just say, well, look, I do serve God. Yes, I'm trying to do this. I, I have repented. I'm seeking to believe more and more. I want my faith to grow. Yes, those are all so good, but greater than that. So I hope you're with me on this. So let's have a quick look at a few of those words there. He says, love. Love the Lord your God. Love in the Hebrew, the, the, the word hava, includes desire, to, to delight in, to have affection for, or towards. It's an unconditional and it's a sacrificial love. Love hava. The Greek word is agapaya, the God kind of love, the, the love that paid the price and put itself out, like Jesus did, sacrificial. So to love God, you must include your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind. It involves, in other words, the totality of you, who you are, everything the total you, in good times and in bad times. And it means to love him above all other loves. You know, Jesus actually said this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37 and 38 and 39. He says, anyone who loves his father or his mother, and those are gifts from God and very precious relationships, and we've got to honor them. But God says, if you love those people, your mother, your father, more than me, you're not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter 
more than me, is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his, his, up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Wow. In other words, you've got to love God more than you love anything else. And Luke chapter 14, verse 26, he adds this. Yes, even if he his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So that's love. So I've got to ask myself, wow, Lord, how successful have I been in that and allowing the Holy Spirit to transform me and to cause me to love you like that? Then what about the heart? Well, I think the heart, the mind, the soul and your strength, there's something there. While it's very different, difficult to distinguish sometimes between soul and spirit and mind, etc., uh, there's something here I just want to quickly point out. The heart really is the the heart is the entire emotional area of your life it includes the mental and moral activity of your life it's your reason your emotions your will it's the center of your inward life and it's where god the sphere of the influence of 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 the of the divine the desires our affections our conscience our intentions, our motives, our will, among a number of other things. So success in ministry means that you help people to fulfill this and not just to go through the motions, to love God from the heart, with all of their heart. And then the mind, just quickly pinpointing a few little things here. The mind is the faculty of understanding, the ability to learn, to receive information, to process it, to understand it, to draw conclusions. And so to, to love God with all of our minds means in part that our thoughts are centered on Him. And that in essence necessitates allowing Him to renew our minds. And the way He renews our minds is that we begin to think upon Him Think like he thinks, feel like he feels, behave like he behaves, because the Word of God by the Spirit of God renews our mind. So it means we have to get into the Word of God and love it. If you don't love the Lord, the, the Word of God, you're not going to be able to love God with all of your mind because the Bible shows us the thoughts of God, how God feels about things, what God wants for us. To love him means, to love him with our mind includes loving what he says. In other words, loving what he loves. In Psalm 40 verse 8, he says, I, the psalmist says, I delight to do your will, O God. Can I say that? Can you say that? Lord, I delight to do your will. Jesus said in Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 11 verse 29, uh, come unto me, all ye that labor on a heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon me and learn of me. We learn of Jesus through the word of God, by the spirit of God. Psalm 1, verses 1 through to 3, blessed is the man that, and he tells us all these things, and who meditates upon his word day and night. Meditates, uh, thinks through the word of God. Doesn't just read it occasionally, quote from it, quote texts. He meditates on the word of God. All of this is loving the Lord our God with all our minds. You can read, I, just, I was going to read all of these, but 
Read Psalm 119. I want to highlight a few verses for you. I'll just get them to you. Please read them for yourself. Psalm 119, verse 11 and 16, verse 42, verse 50, verse 105, 133, 161, 172, among others. Just read them for yourself. 1 John 5, 3 says this, This is love for God, to obey His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. So i got to ask myself, and I'll ask you in Jesus' name, is reading God's Word and obeying it, putting it into practice, burdensome? Well, God wants to change that. His obedience to His commands are not burdensome. So that's the mind. And let's just quickly look at the soul and then our, our, our strength. And we'll come to go to a second session a little later. The soul. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul. The soul is that eternal part of us where we worship God and have fellowship with God. It's the entire inner person. The source of consciousness and life. It's, it's all in our bodies, mind, soul, spirit, heart. They all overlap from time to time, not easy to separate. But I've tried to help you to understand that this is how God wants us to love him. And quickly, just to bring it to an end, with all our strength. Well, strength, that's the entire me, our bodies. Using the strength and energy that God has given us, under his guidance and in his enabling, the help of the Holy Spirit to bless God with everything we've got, to obey him, to serve him as an act of loving worship. You know, Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Spirit of God in Romans chapter 12 that he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Some translations say it's spiritual act of worship, service. Present your bodies. That's everything you are, lock, stock and barrel, the totality of you. And so it includes loving his word, his ways, his works, his wonders, his will. Enough, and listen to this please, to love his word, his ways, his works, his wonders, his will, enough to study it to search it, to seek him in and through it. Read Luke chapter 24. Remember Jesus on the Emmaus Road tells them, the scriptures are all about me. And then it says, those two said, he, our hearts were warmed as he opened the scriptures to us. Let God, by the Spirit of God, through his word, teach us, learn of these things. The Holy Spirit reveals truth and the Bible is truth. He guides us into all truth and the Bible is truth. And he helps us to love God, God's way. So that's the first part. In brief, success in life and in ministry. To what degree do I love God in all these faculties of my being and looking back to what extent to the people that are with me in the church I'm serving in, do they love God, God's way? 
the Bible way, the way God says and Jesus instructed us. So once again, I ask you, Father, help us in Jesus' name, for without you we can do nothing, but it's you, God, who work in us, both to will and to do of your good pleasure. Jesus, by your Spirit, help us to love you, to love the Holy Spirit, to love the Father, to love the Word of God, and to be able to work it out for your glory. We ask it in your name, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Amen. God bless you.